This is the Honey Badger Diaries episode 27. My name is Arno van Widdem. I interview Bitcoiners about the Corona crisis because I find that interesting. You can find all of the episodes so far on thehoneybadgerdiaries.com. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron Van W. You can find the podcast on Twitter at THB Diaries. Or if you want, you can shoot me an email on thehoneybadgerdiariespodcast at gmail.com. I don't have a lot of news for you again, I guess. I played Donkey Kong Country 3 till the end today. Now I'm just left collecting bonus points. What are they called? Bonus coins and DK coins. That's what, uh, that what, that's what my weekend looked like. I don't have an update on the podcast side. I, I got a tip from someone that I should include an outro in my podcast as well. So I think I'll do that, but I haven't yet. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow because I do think it's a good idea. Just so it's clear that the interview is over, you'll hear an outro tune, hopefully next episode, I think. I think I'll make one. My guest for this episode is Sunny Ray. Sunny is the founder of Unicoin an Indian exchange. And to be honest, when I reached out to Sunny, I thought he was still working at Unicoin and I thought he was still in India. That's sort of why I reached out. I wanted to hear an Indian perspective. Now, as it turns out, Sunny is not at Unicoin anymore. He's at Kraken now. He's also not in India anymore. He's in Toronto now. So the whole Corona and India topic um, kind of fell flat. Also... Sonny wasn't too interested in Corona anymore. He got a bit bored. You know, been been paying attention since January, he said. So he was paying attention very early on. But uh, by now, he uh, he's, he's sort of getting bored by it. Which I guess I can understand. So I think we were about 20, 25 minutes in the, into the interview when that became obvious to me. And we decided to just chat about whatever else we thought was interesting. So some of the topics they come up were uh, universal basic income, AI, space travel, Bitcoin, a whole lot of Bitcoin. That sunny guy likes Bitcoin. That that's uh, that was pretty obvious, and for good reasons. Bitcoin is pretty awesome. I like Bitcoin. I'm I think that's a cool. Uh, I'm I'm happy Bitcoin exists. You know, give me something to do. Something to think about, something to uh, work on. Well, I'm not working on Bitcoin really, but you know, doing doing my part, I guess. I can say that, right? Okay. Well, I guess that's all you need to know before I'll start the interview. You will hear my intro tune, and then the interview will start. These are the Honey Badger Diaries, the Honey Badger Diaries. Sonny, welcome to the Honey Badger Diaries. Thanks for having me. So to be very honest, just upfront, when I reached out to you, I thought you were still at Unicoin in India, but apparently you're at Kraken now. What happened there? Yeah, it's a bit of a story. Um... But as of about eight or nine months ago, so in the middle of uh, 2019, with uh, kind of all the drama taking place in India, which I'm sure we'll 
probably talk about um, on this interview. Uh, at one point, uh, yeah, I essentially joined Kraken as the head of global business development and have been working here since. Kraken is uh, sucking up all the talent from the from the industry these days, it seems. Yeah. Oh, you know what Kraken is, right? It's like this, uh, isn't it like this massive, mysterious sea monster that eats everything in the ocean? Apparently, yeah. So it's fitting. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I know. There's been some amazing hires lately. I don't know if you heard uh, Marco Santori came on board, yeah. got uh, Dan Hell and Pierre, mm -hmm. and it's just nonstop. I mean, it's like the Avengers. Pete Rizzo made his way to Kraken as well. Pete, Pete Rizzo. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. How long were you at Unicoin? Um, well, I was the, one of the co-founders of Unicoin. We started, probably picked up the domain in 2011 and uh, started the company in 2012 and officially launched, uh, sorry, picked up the domain in 2012 and officially launched the company December 2013 at what we call the Global Bitcoin Conference in Bangalore at the Sheraton. And um, yeah, it's been quite the trip. <laughs> it, was, it was the first exchange in India, I think. First Bitcoin exchange. Yeah, it was the first... Uh, well, it was the first, I guess the more appropriate term would be brokerage. So it was, um, you know, an easy to use platform where anybody could come in and, uh, and buy some Bitcoin just at the click of a button. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it, it, I mean, it is an exchange. There's something called Uno DAX today. So there's an exchange um, as well, but uh, it started off as a brokerage and that's still available. It's very popular. Yeah. What has been happening with Bitcoin in India? There, I, it was banned for a while. Was it banned? What was the status? What was the issue there? Yeah. Um, no, so it, was, it was never banned. I mean, uh, you know, I think the, the news uh, did a poor job of, of covering some of the developments in India, but it was never banned. What, what had happened um, almost two years ago is that the central bank of India, the Reserve Bank of India essentially stopped allowing banks from dealing with cryptocurrency companies and from Bitcoin companies. Um, so that was essentially what happened. And, and I mean, it was in effect a, a bank ban, um, but it was not a full ban of the currency or of the asset in India. And you were still at Unicoin then. So how did that sounds like Unicoin couldn't continue at all? Or how did it continue? What happened there? Um, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like to, to kind of make sense of Unocoin, it might make a little bit more sense to share a little bit about maybe how um, it came about. Um, would it make sense to just share a little bit about that? Yeah, please do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe I'll just, yeah. So just uh, by way of background, um, so so I studied, uh, so I was born and raised in Canada. I studied electrical engineering. Um, I ran a financial brokerage before the last big crash in 07, 08, spent about eight years in robotics as a business development and then in 2012 or so 2011 2012 i moved out to india um, on behalf of that company and that was when i discovered bitcoin and uh yeah it was interesting because you know um when i first discovered it there was really nobody that i knew uh that was kind of into it and i was watching what was happening in toronto there was guys like anthony diorio and um you know vitalik and a lot of these other people really starting to um, do meetups and get get people involved and and so that got me um excited about it and so i started doing the same thing in bangalore 
and uh, we started doing these really fancy Bitcoin meetups, not at coffee shops like everyone does it, but we picked like the fanciest hotel. Like it's called the Lila Palace. Like it's not even a five star. I'd consider it like a six star hotel. Um, it like blows anything we've seen on this side of the world, like out of the water. Just beautiful, beautiful hotel. We go in there, and uh, and we just kind of you know set the standard. We were just like, all right, like we wanted serious people and people that were passionate about it to come out. Um, through that, I ended up meeting Satsik, Harish, a bunch of other people. You know, we iterated on a whole bunch of different ideas. We did Bitcoin mining. We tried um, conferences and maybe 10, 12 different other ideas. And really what kind of led us to the idea around Unicoin was we said, hey, look, it's so hard to buy Bitcoin here in, in India. So why don't we you know, launch a service that, uh, that makes it easy for people in India? And... You know, I'll never forget, like the week we launched the service, we were, we had all left Bangalore, we were in Bombay and we were out and about and, and, and orders were, were piling up and, and it was kind of to our surprise, like we weren't really expecting people to use the platform, right? Because everything else we tried prior to that failed miserably and we thought, well, why would people use this? But, um, but right off the bat, it, it was getting a lot of traction and, and we launched Unocoin at, like I said, at this conference um, at the Sheraton and you know, in 2013, back then, we knew that, that regulators would, you know, need to get involved or they'd, they'd eventually get involved anyways. And so, um, you know, at that point, we even, we'd even invited um, regulators to, to come to the event if they wanted to. And, and to my surprise, again, we actually, you know, had uh, someone from the RBI uh, attend our event. Um, a week after that, uh, they'd issued a notice on their website. So this isn't in January 2014, they'd issued a, a notice uh, saying, look, uh, Bitcoin and these types of things are volatile. There, uh, there are concerns around its, uh, its security. And, uh, and that was the beginning. That was the beginning of, of really like our, I guess you could say, relationship with uh, the Reserve Bank of India. And, uh, and, you know, and that kind of carried forward every year, every two years, they would reissue the same notice on their website and it would be a big kind of thing. And then, and then eventually two years ago, um, so it's 2020 now, so 2018-ish, um, they issued a notice and they, it was like a, it was essentially um, uh, something on their website that, that, that stated that banks were not allowed to deal with cryptocurrency companies. And so, you know, that made it obviously very challenging for the community and for, um, for all the Bitcoin companies. Um, for us, you know, and, and if you're interested, we can go into, you know, some of the stories that took place in between because it was quite a bit. Um, but, you know, after about a year or so of, of you know, battling the central bank, um, we had to be realistic and, you know, we had to, unfortunately, um, you know, downsize the company quite a bit. Um, you know, I think we were at about 120 or 130 employees. We had to um, cut back, you know, almost 70% or 80% of our, of our team members. And at that team, the founders also decided that, you know, we would, uh, we would engage with other projects and, and, um, and kind of, you know, move forward from there. And, and you know, and quite frankly, uh, you know, most of us didn't expect that 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 we would be victorious because I think in like all of history, the Supreme Court in India has ever overruled the Reserve Bank of India. I think once before this, this was like the second time it's ever happened. So it's pretty unprecedented. And and you know, I'll never forget what Jesse said to me. Um, you know, he was like, "Look, you're going through some hard times. Um, I know you know you've worked hard, obviously, with everything you're doing in India for Bitcoin and the community." And he's like, you know, just hold on to everything you got and just why don't you come on board and, and help us out with Kraken. 
and I thought that was a really really nice gesture and um you know and it was a very uncommon I think offer um I don't think most uh, entrepreneurs would, would would say something like that but I think that kind of just speaks to why uh, you know I'm such a big fan of Kraken and the company here is that they're yeah it seems like they really care Jesse has been uh, taking a pretty principled stance also on stuff like the New York agreement, which I can appreciate that. It seems yes. like a budget guy. I've only met him once. Yeah. But I, I, just because you brought up Jesse, I was going to say principled, smart, and humble. Those are the three words that I always use to describe Jesse when people ask me. Whenever someone asks, well, why are you working at Kraken? It's like, yeah, good luck finding people like that. <laughs> The the other thing I asked, and I I do want to get back to that. You mentioned that Unicoin had to downsize in, in the midst of all of this trouble. How could yeah, it yeah. continue at all without a bank? How did that work? Or I mean, did it have a bank? Like it couldn't have. Yeah, right? yeah. So we could we could do basic things like just uh, you know obviously cover our expenses and whatnot. It's just um, it, we weren't allowed to facilitate trades with customers. And so it's very difficult, it's very challenging. And obviously when your customers can't send you funds as an exchange, that's um, debilitating. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would think. Mm. Sounds like a, a little bit of an issue to deal with if you're an exchange. Anyway, so you, how long did you live in India? You moved back recently. I was then. living there, yeah. You're you were years. born in Canada? I was born in Canada to East Indian parents, and then I had moved out there in 2011, um, and then moved back to Canada in 20, I think it was 16 or 17, Aaron. Right. And but but I do consider, you know, I mean, um, yeah, I consider Toronto my home now. I was born and raised in the west part of Canada, but Toronto's been my home for almost 20 years now, or the better part of 20 years. So uh, this podcast is uh, actually about Corona stuff. It might surprise you. Have you been keeping up with the Corona? Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. In fact, I think there's a lot of parallels between Corona and Bitcoin, but like in opposite directions. <laughs> um, I think I've yeah, mentioned sorry. something similar on the podcast, but I'm curious to hear why you say that. Hey, look, Aaron, I was... I was freaking out about this thing back in January. Um, and it was because of all the weirdos that I follow on Twitter that are all these like Bitcoiners, Bitcoin maximalists. Right. And I don't know what it is exactly. You know, maybe it's that honey badger quality in all, in all of us, but something, um, you know, I mean, whether it was like Balaji or whether it was all these like people that, that were just kind of, you know, tell, warning people about, about what was happening. And, and uh, yeah, so I don't know, like for me, I was, I was quite concerned about this pretty early on, um, you know, and so we had prepared to the best of our, our abilities. Um, in fact, I would say I was, I was like much more stressed out and worried, like prior to the day that the WHO actually said that it was a pandemic, because I could tell it was a pandemic. If you look at the definition of what a pandemic is, it's a pandemic, but nobody's really saying it is. Um, and so when CNN and then, you know, WHO eventually said it, that's when I felt I went from like being crazy and everyone around me being normal to me being like calm and then everyone around me being like, you know, kind of crazy. And, and so anyways, I think that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. Was, I, I think that parallels are, you know, they're probably pretty obvious, right? Like the exponential nature of it. And I think, um, 
yeah you know they're both invisible <laughs> uh they're both uh, i don't know there's probably a lot of things but like i said i think they're they're similar but opposite yeah there's a lot of overlap and uh, the, the other thing you mentioned is also interesting that how bitcoin a lot of bitcoiners were sort of early to recognize the threat and then once everyone else caught on it's the rest is more panicky about it, it it seems while bitcoiners a lot of them are now sort of trying to take a calmer approach uh, speaking of early warning signals i remember probably you know back in february or whenever that india was one of the countries that people were sort of concerned about like if it hits india it could get real bad what what do you think is that well, again, having, you know, having lived in India and, you know, and having kind of visited quite often and everything and having going through everything I had. Yeah, I, I was definitely concerned. I was very worried about it, um, especially in places like in, in India, mainly, you know, because of, 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 of challenges like hygiene and, you know, population and, you know, the medical system um, perhaps not being as uh, as robust as maybe here. Um, so yeah, I definitely had, you know, I had worries about it, but then there was like, I don't know how, and by the way, I'm not a scientist or an epidemiologist or anything, but you know, there are some other factors that, you know, people kind of point to as well. Right. Which, I, which is like the, I don't know if, it, if the heat actually plays anything into it, but so it's, it's a bit like hard for me to, you know, make conclusions or say one thing or another. Um, but 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 I will say one thing that I found quite um, interesting was that I think I, I can't even say the name of whatever that uh, that that drug that people say may be a solution. But I think uh, India is one of the hydro the, the, the hydro yeah something like that. I think India is one of the the largest manufacturers of it. Um, and so so yeah so I mean so in, I guess in the end maybe they're not going to be <laughs> all that, you know, poorly off. Um, yeah, they're, but, right? they're a major yeah. manufacturer of many medicines, I think, right? And and didn't they call for a ban on the export of certain medicines? Have you heard this? Mm, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. There are, you know, bans do happen in India. <laughs> <laughs> yes. but, yeah, but I'm not sure about which one you're referring to. But, but no, India's, look, I mean, I'm obviously a bit biased, but I've, I've always felt very bullish about India. I've always felt that, you know, India's got a very bright future. Um, you know, I know this is more about coronavirus, but, uh, but I know you're also a Bitcoiner, but I was just going to quickly say the, the, the reasons that I think India is so compelling from a Bitcoin perspective is, um, you know, people refer to Bitcoin as digital gold, right? So where in the world do people like gold more than India? no place right so india is like people are like i remember when i first moved there um back in 2011 or whatever i remember on like paydays you would see lineups like every 10th store in india is like a gold store or like a bank selling gold or whatever and it's like people literally line up to, to convert their their fiat into gold um and it's just like normal it's just like a normal thing so number one so the largest kind of like gold um you know lover hoarder in the world is, is india number two um bitcoin is digital gold india has more programmers more it professionals um than anywhere else in the world so you know i feel that again you don't have to be a technical person to, to love bitcoin but 
when you look at like early adopters, right, it helps to be able to understand ones and zeros a bit. And so I feel that again, so that, that, that propensity towards loving gold and then the ability to kind of understand, you know, kind of code is again, like this perfect storm. The third thing, India, uh, so people talk about Bitcoin, oh, it's going to change remittance, blah, blah, blah. Well, what country remits more money into the country than India? None, right? A hundred billion dollars a year. Uh, 10, 20% of that's going towards unsaid remittance companies, then, you know, um, what if Bitcoin was just able to come in and, and kind of take over that market? Um, and then the last point is, is I think something like 25% of, of the world's youth or something like that, or some, some ridiculous number of like young people live in India, right? And it just goes on and on and on. There's all these like unbanked population, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I've always felt that India is um, a very fascinating place for Bitcoin. You know, even at Kraken, we've got um, a lot of our biggest traders are, are, from, are from India, right? And so, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of, yep. How's the economy in India dealing with with this crisis? Do you have any idea? I mean, like I said, I'm because I'm based in you know I'm based in Canada. Like I don't see kind of like on the ground feedback, but I do hear from you know my friends and um, it's. I think to be frank, I think it's similar to everywhere else. Like it's the lockdown. Everyone's you know staying home, working from home. I don't think it's fundamentally um, like it's not like mayhem where people are running around in the streets like a while. I think uh, I mind you, I have seen some videos on YouTube to the contrary with like police hitting people with like these plastic sticks and stuff. But yeah, yeah, there were some riots. I think migrant workers in Surat. I was reading about this. They were protesting mm. the lockdown, and there were some there was some violence there. Wait, was this related to that, like, uh, I mean, I know that anyway, India has been going through some political unrest as well, right, on, I mean, I don't want to get into it, but but you're familiar with some of that recently, right? Was it related to that? Or are you talking about something related to the coronavirus? This is very coronavirus related. It was lockdown. It was a protest mm -hmm. against the lockdowns. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I know I hadn't been, I hadn't been following that all that closely, to be honest. I know in Toronto, it's been, it's been... I know the lockdown's been pretty stiff. Uh, people haven't really been, you know, it doesn't look like people are violating it on mass. Um, my my sister-in-law actually works for, uh, she's a doctor at one of the hospitals where there's like the most number of patients here in Toronto. So, you know, we get some updates. We try and help out as much as we can here and there in terms of their helping with their groceries and, and making masks at home for, you know, patients that come into their hospitals. But, but I mean, mass shortages, that's something that I'm sure all of us are hearing about, right? Um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty scary stuff. How about you guys? How how's everything? Yeah, how, where are you? You're are you in Germany? No, Netherlands. Netherlands. How how are things over there? Uh, we're in what's called they're calling it an intelligent lockdown. So everything's closed apart from uh, except for crucial, you know, supermarkets and these kinds of things. And then we are allowed to leave the home. Uh, we're allowed to be outside in groups of uh, well not in groups with in, well groups of two maximum and then other than that in the rest of the country uh they're they're calling it a one and a half meter economy now so we're supposed to you know, stay one and a half meters from each other you, you, you know aaron on this topic of covid right um like we talked about Bitcoin and COVID, right? But the thing that I find to be super fascinating about this time, right, that we're living through is this kind of this correlation between science and freedom, 
um, that people are kind of trying to like work their way through, right? So what I mean by that is there's this, obviously there's this like very, supposedly there's this very strong scientific reason as to why we're supposed to self-isolate and, you know, not be out there, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then it's, so it's kind of the science that it's dictating what we should be doing in terms of self-isolating. But the idea of self-isolating is kind of like freedom crushing. And, it, it, you know, it's trying to like kind of reconcile these two worlds is um, it's like, do not compute, you know, it's like <laughs> kind of thing happening, I think, for a lot of people. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Well, what, what do you think of all the lockdowns? Is it something you agree with? Is it something I agree with? Um, so if your question is, is am I under lockdown? Yes. So that probably means at some level I'm in agreement with it. I'm not actively going out and, you know, hooking up with all my friends and doing like uh, parties on the street. So, yes, I would say on that level, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm following it. Do I question, you know, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> Absolutely, right? Like as a Bitcoiner, I think we're always um, asking these questions, right? But um you know, I, I will say one thing though. I feel so fortunate um, that that I get to be in in this Bitcoin space during this time because I mean, let's face it, Bitcoin was made for this moment, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so in, in I mean, in some ways, I'm obviously super sad about the kind of the state of the world and what's happening. But when you, I think it was Jameson who you'd interviewed recently who said that um, recently said that something like 50 Bitcoin networks, not 50 Bitcoins, but 50 Bitcoin networks worth of money was printed, I think, in that first round or whatever. It's just like, okay, <laughs> so let's see, let's see. I mean, is this Bitcoin thing going to work? Is it not? We don't have to wait 20 years to find out. I mean, it's either going to, you know, show itself now or not. So yeah. I'm excited about the prospect of, of you know, of Bitcoin. Did you see that tweet by uh, Brian Armstrong the other day? He, he showed a graph of people... Oh, I guess this is a competitor of you guys. Well, I'm gonna. I'm, yeah, who, who's Brian? Who's Brian Armstrong? <laughs> the Coinbase CEO. No, no, Coinbase. I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he tweeted a graph of people buying exactly twelve hundred dollars worth of. Oh Bitcoin, yeah, I saw that. I saw which that. is like okay. the stimulus amounts. That was, of course, of course, that was cute. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then speaking of James and Lop, I, I think what did he tweet? Like, if everyone, if every American did that, they couldn't even buy, you know, point zero four Bitcoin or something. I, I don't remember the tweet. Like, there's not enough Bitcoin. Anyways, I don't remember the tweet, so this is a bad anecdote. But it was a, it was a good tweet, Sonny. I'm a big fan of Jameson. I like him. Um. What else? What what do you think is gonna happen in Canada in the near future? Are they speaking of easing the lockdown anytime soon? I don't know. They're kind of flip flopping. I mean, I heard uh, I heard Justin Trudeau say the other day that it might go on for a year and a half. You know, some people say that until the vaccine comes out, we might not uh, go back to normalcy. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know to be honest. I don't know. I would rather just be prepared mentally that it's going to take longer um and then have it be you know have have it be that i can go outside and have fun before then but mentally i'm i'm, I'm preparing for for you know kind of being in this state for a little bit it sucks again i know for for a lot of people out there um but you, you know for like i was gonna just i'm oh, sorry aaron what was that 
No, go on. Yeah, no, I, no, Aaron, I was going to say is one, um, like one kind of, I guess, cool thing is that Kraken, since its, since its inception, um, has been remote work. And so everybody in the company works remotely. So there's almost, I don't know, whatever, a couple, 900 people or 1,000 people, they're all working remotely. And so in terms of like how much it's affected my kind of day to day, it it really hasn't, you know, all that much. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, that's true for all Bitcoiners. Yeah, right. (laughs) This this comes up in every other interview. Like people just tell me their life is basically the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I earned, but thanks for, uh, I was going to say, thanks for giving me this opportunity to even just share a bit about, you know, the story in India. I, I do feel, and, and, you know, kind of what's going on. Um, I do feel that a lot of the, you know, kind of major news outlets, obviously, they cover it um, kind of, you know, on kind of the surface level. But, you know, I said this in a recent uh, Kraken blog post as well, is, is that, um, you know, the Indian community essentially took on the, you know, the central bank of India and won for Bitcoin. Um, like, obviously, again, I'm biased, but I can't think of like a more impressive accomplishment, um, period, right? Like, I mean, if you look at, uh, if you look at the central bank, or if you look at the, the white paper that Satoshi wrote, you know, it talks about the inefficiencies of third parties and like how Bitcoin was, you know, kind of essentially developed to address that issue. So there's a lot of noise in this space. Um, there's a lot of things that are happening, but I do feel that, um, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, like a, about a year ago, even I kind of felt disillusioned and I didn't, I was like kind of losing hope, but um, I feel very uh, lucky to be living during this time. And I feel like, um, I feel like justice exists you know, and, 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 and one of my kind of takeaways from this um, is I want to do more homework on how judges come to be. I, I don't know if you know much about that, but I don't. And, and I find it super interesting and, and uh, how like these, these people tend to be, at least from whatever experience I've had, they tend to be very common sense driven and they'd be, and they're like normal humans in, in many ways. Right. And so, um, yeah, I don't know much about it, but uh, like my two takeaways was that, you know, justice does exist and, and uh, it takes time, but uh, also just as like a footnote, like who are judges? Like, how do they come to be like, who elects them or doesn't elect them? And like, how are they so grounded? Um, but yeah, but thanks for, thanks for, you know, helping, um, you know, shine a, a bit of a spotlight on kind of what's happening in India. Have you guys at Kraken seen any sort of interesting volume in different countries throughout this crisis? Like, is it picking up somewhere more than somewhere else? Is this, uh, is this information you're at the freedom well, to close? <laughs> so the volumes are, are public, right? I mean, at least the, the, you know, like the Kraken exchange volumes are all out, out there. Um, so yeah, on kind of the worst day, whenever it was, you know, when the stock market dropped to it's like low or whatever it was, I, I yeah, I think, Kraken did, you know, tremendously well in terms of like volume and all of that, you know. Um, yeah, Kraken is doing really, really well as a company. And even during that downturn, um, you know, a lot of other exchanges experience a lot of uh, you know challenges and they tend to go down, um, you know, at the exact moment when you need the most. Well, not Kraken is up there just running, running along just fine. And um yeah, we got a lot of positive feedback from a lot of the traders saying that they were really impressed with, 
with how we handled uh, some of that, that, that pressure. Okay, so I usually start my podcast with sort of an overview of what's been going on in a specific country with Corona. We didn't really do that so far. Do you want to get into the yeah. coronavirus thing in India or is, to what extent is it something? I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I'm bored of Corona. I mean, I'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a bit like, I know this is like the main topic that you talk about, but yeah, I, I mean, can, I, I, I talk about something. <laughs> I mean, are you, are you asking any questions you want? Look, my sister-in-law seen, works uh, for the most infectious hospital. Like that's pretty, that's pretty terrible. Right. I mean, um, I mean, I don't think most people have that, even that kind of like insight into what's going on. So I do feel like I have insight, but I mean, what am I going to share? That's not, that's not like, you know, really that's new or exciting or different than what's happening everywhere in the world right now. I don't know. I mean, wear masks. <laughs> I mean, this is all, you know, I don't know. Um, I, 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 what I do find interesting again, um, is, 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 you know, just like the narrative around like, don't wear masks and wear masks. And if you don't wear a mask, we'll put you in jail now, like all from like one end of the spectrum to the other in like a month. You know, I, I just, I just find these kind of things super fascinating, you know, again, as a Bitcoiner and somebody who's just like, I don't know, I look at the world as like almost like a Petri dish a bit. And it's like, you know, and again, and, and, and to me, you know, I'm not against fiat, right? I think fiat plays a role. I mean, look what's happening you know, in Canada, yes, like Ubi and people like, look, I, I told you, I spent eight years in robotics, okay? My wife is a mechatronics engineer. So if anyone knows the fears of automation and robotics, it's me. I've, I've got a 3D printer to the right of me. I've got a drone to the left of me here. Um, and so so I, I do worry about things like, um, you know, mass unemployment, uh, you know, being driven by automation and things like that. So, so yeah, so maybe, you know, fiat will have a place for, for, for people. What I like about Bitcoin, however, is that it's like a thermometer. It's like a, it's like a, a like a measuring stick that holds everything else accountable. <laughs> that's what I love about Bitcoin. Well, that's a pretty interesting topic then. Let's forget about Corona, but you mentioned universal basic income. Is this something you sound fairly positive about it? That it, but then, I'm, I'm against it because I, I like to think I'm freedom loving and I'm libertarian-esque, you know, I mean, for me, it was like the, 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 the path to Bitcoin, you know, I didn't really share about it, but it was really, it was, um, I remember Occupy Wall Street was, was strong, uh, was, was something that, like, because I spent time in the financial industry, it was like, why are all these people complaining about financial industry? That was my first kind of like maybe I need to like really go deeper um then it was Ron Paul obviously with his like you know his libertarian kind of um like education that that he drops on on people that was really what got me thinking about or the importance of like freedom and liberty um you know this guy's not too popular anymore I don't think but Stefan something he's a Canadian guy he talks um he talks a lot about freedom um anyway so 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 I guess so from uh, the perspective of uh, um, freedom, I think it's I think it's very very you know fascinating. Sorry, sorry, Aaron, I kind of lost the 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 question that you were asking again. UBI. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't know, man, but, but would you have like a specific question? Like, do I like it? So first of all, if you yeah. ask me about religion or politics or UBI or coronavirus or anything, 
my answer is going to be like, I'm not going to probably give you like a very clear answer. I'm probably going to say I'm confused about all of it. Right. <laughs> like my wife is Christian. My parents are Hindu, you know, like my friends are, my, my, but, but like what religion are you saying? I have no clue. Right. I, I read a lot about this stuff, you know, and even money, if you're like, what's the future of money? I mean, my gut says it might be Bitcoin. It might be, but I'm, I'm not going to say it is for sure. Right. Um, anyway. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. So Ubi, Yes. Yeah, so again, okay. So what disturbs me about it, obviously, is is the notion that, um, you know, again, if you're freedom loving, if you're a libertarian, if you believe in less governments and free markets, all of that, then, 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 you know, then Ubi kind of falls on the other side of the spectrum. Um, but again, you know, in a case like this, right? Like, what are people, uh, what are people supposed to do? Right? Like, what are people supposed to do? Um, like, are they supposed to starve, essentially? Um, that doesn't seem fair, you know, especially when governments have this mechanism by which they can print money and, and they do it for their friends. They do it for, you know, the people that work at the bank. So why not do it for the average person? So, again, is it, um, is, I'm not convinced that it, that it works, um, but it's interesting. It's interesting nonetheless. I do think Bitcoin or something like Bitcoin would make it easier to implement something like this as well. Easier? Um, but yeah, easier as in, uh, yeah, I think, I think to some extent, like if you're looking, if you look at even like the way they're trying or something like a, a stable coin, right. I think it would be maybe easier to get out in the hands of people perhaps because of the, just the way the technology works and all that. Um, but but I'll be honest, Aaron. I haven't I haven't thought about it, you know, fully. Um, it sounds again, it sounds sexy at at its at its kind of um, at its face value, but there it just it, it obviously smells um, of you know again of, of a lot of things as well. So I don't know, I don't know. But again, like I said, um, this notion of that oh well we'll just find jobs for everyone. Robots aren't moving that fast. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if uh, I also don't know if I believe uh, that argument. I, I do think that automation is coming and you know, I drive a Tesla and like I know a lot of people drive cars for a living. So what are they going to do? My car, I went for a drive today. It was essential, essential. Right. Um, however, you know, it drove itself. So what happens five years from now or 10 years from now when every car drives itself? Are we going to tell everyone to become a programmer? I don't think that's realistic. You're an amazing podcast uh, guest, Sonny. You you come on to just talk about whatever the fuck you feel like. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you, you mentioned religion. You want to get into that? Do you think are we are we seeing a biblical plague? What's going on? Biblical plague? <laughs> look, I, look. I, I said I'm not religious, but just just for the for the like for the guy upstairs, if he does exist, I go to church every Sunday with my wife. So, uh, but I go because I really like hanging out with her. Um, but anyways, uh, but, but I gotta admit before this, this, this thing hit, you know, I was freaking out too. I was like, we should not be in crowded places. This that, um, is a biblical plague. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, oh, I, I think sounds like something the, like that. <laughs> I had Kaniak on the show a couple of days ago. So he, he was expecting the, what's it called? Book of Revelations mm. to, to sort of start playing out now. You don't believe that? Well, first ask me, do I believe in the book of Revelations? Uh, yeah. Probably. I don't know. I, I haven't read it in full. Um, I don't know. My, 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 my approach to religion is I'm just hedging 
against that outcome that I'm wrong, right? So that's why, I, I, like I said, I go to church with my wife and Still do risk. what I need to, just in case at the end of this thing, I find out that, oh my God, she was right. Like, I, I want to be able to say like, look, okay, yeah, I know I wasn't fully there, but I've been attending every weekend. <laughs> Sorry, man. But I don't know if this is like the end of times or whatever. Um, I, I, I doubt it. I, I sure hope not. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have two little girls at home, so... Um, you know, one thing, one thing I, I, I always tell people though, is, is that, um, before I discovered Bitcoin, I did not want to have kids. I was just like, this world is miserable. I even have a video on YouTube that probably a total of 10 people have watched, but it was from like 2010. It was me on stage at like a robotics conference talking to a bunch of like roboticists. And I was just like, the world seems like there's all these issues. There's like a financial, you know, collapse and environmental, you know, systemic, there's just everything seems like it's all falling apart. And it was only, I remember when I discovered Bitcoin and I was just like, I think, I think like this, this world deserves more kids. Like, yeah, we, we need to focus on that. Um, but Bitcoin has just completely changed my life. And, and like I said, I think the fact that it's running like clockwork when like stock exchanges are coming down and, and, you know, and, and governments are like having trouble functioning. It's just working like clockwork. I think, again, speaks to just how awesome it is. Yeah. Is this how you are in real life? What do you mean? You just talk to, uh, you just talk about Bitcoin with everyone all the time? Yeah. Yeah, I try to. <laughs> I try to. Whoever will listen to me. You know, I, I, when I started, yeah, those meetups and stuff, I probably tried to explain Bitcoin to people like thousands of times. I've got a little, I've got a little, um, like a 30 second piece now that I use. And I, I find like that does the job. Like, it doesn't matter if you're my grandma, if you're four years old, well, I've got like a it's 30 seconds. So go for it. What yeah, is maybe. It? Okay. So no, I said 30 seconds to lure you in, but, uh, 30, so 30 seconds is my actual technical definition, but then I need a little bit of follow up. But my technical definition is that Bitcoin is the world's first open source, decentralized digital currency and payment network. The reason most people find it confusing is because it's two things in one. It's digital, it's a digital currency analogous to dollars or gold. It has a certain value. It goes up and down in time, uh, goes up and down in value over time and it's highly volatile. Um, but, you know, over the last 10 years, it's gone up uh, probably more than any other asset class in history of mankind. And the other thing is it's like a payment network analogous to Visa or Western Union. It offers you rails for moving, uh, you know, money or value from one place to another at the click of a button. That's my like, you know, 30 second kind of piece. But then I kind of go into like different, you know, different um, tangents and try and explain kind of, you know, um, yeah, just how important it is and how it's limited and open source and all the benefits. But yeah, what do you think of a uh, uh, you you asked for other topics, so I'm just gonna bring up stuff now. What do, you, what do you think of the AI risk? Is this a risk? Are you with Elon Musk on that one? <laughs> oh, oh man, sorry. I, have you read this book? No, AI superpowers. Book, yeah. Oh, sorry, AI superpowers. Oh, wow, it's not coming up. I think if I hold it close to me, there Very we nice. go. AI superpower. Kai-Fu Lee, he used to work for, I got like four or five other books on AI. I, what do I think about AI? As in like, uh, what a threat. Are you with Elon Musk? Like, is it something we should be aware of that's going to destroy us? That's going to replace us? Uh, so you, you follow 
uh, Kurzweil and all of that. Like, do you know Raymond Kurzweil? Um, it sounds familiar, but you may have to. Okay, have you have you have you ever heard of the technological singularity? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so there's this notion um, or this like prediction. Okay, so this is a guy named Raymond Kurzweil. Um, I believe at one point he was like Bill Gates's like future advisor. Okay, this guy uh, he works for Google now. I think I think he was running um, Singularity University. So anyway, so he has this like string of like books like, from like back like 30 years ago, 20 years ago, predicting this like natural progression of like information technology and like information processing power. So he like plots on a graph and he says, you know, have you seen this? Like, like the best computer on earth could be like as good as an ant at this point. And like eventually human, I mean, a thousand dollar computer will be able to process more information than a human mind by a certain year. Um, and then, you know, by 2030, 2040, we'll reach a point where, um, where, you know, a thousand dollar microchip or computer chip can, can, you know, think or do as many computations as, uh, as, as all of humans on earth. Right. And it kind of feeds into like the whole Moore's law conversation. By like 2040, I think 2040, 2040. Okay, yeah. yeah. Which, which I think, I think 2040 is kind of an important year for Bitcoin too. Right. Like won't 2040 um, by then, like Bitcoin, I think 99% of all Bitcoins or something will, will have come into existence. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Bitcoin, I believe, I truly believe that Bitcoin, um, like the founder of Bitcoin understood this these principles of um kind of you know information technology and how it's like progressing and moore's law and designed um designed the network to kind of uh to address that which i think is which is one of the most coolest things about it um so so i actually believe and this might be a bit controversial maybe not but i actually believe that bitcoin is uh the first real like true form of like like global artificial intelligence like it's um you know in the sense that it's like self-governing and it has like all these elements to it that i find very exciting um okay so but your your question was was like look do i think ai is going to take over the world i don't think so i don't think so um yeah i don't think so um i i, I and, and and kai fu lee that that's one of his kind of um final you know, points in the book is as well is he he believes that in order for that to happen, you need four or five major major computational kind of like breakthroughs to happen, and maybe we'll have one happen in the next twenty years. So he you doesn't which believe these are? which these are. Yeah. So he so he has. Uh, so my favorite part of this book, which I think is is relevant, is this right here. I'm going to show you something here in, in, in half a second. So, um, yeah, so risk of replacement. So this is, to me, this is the main takeaway from, oh, look at Yeah, that. this doesn't really, you, yeah, you're trying to show really me something, it. but I can't really see it. I, you'll okay, have to. So I'll just tell you what it is. So, so it's like a, it's like a quadrant, right? And, um, and so, so I'll just tell you what it is. So on this side, he has, so this axis is, a social and social so the higher you go the more social the jobs are right and the more right you go the more creativity and strategy based you are and the more left you go the more optimization based you are okay mm -hmm. so so this quadrant is like a wedding planner 
this is like a teacher or a doctor. This is um, this this here. This is what he calls a danger zone. Um, you know, for example, telemarketers. Um, you know, basic um, basic translators, um, radiologists, right? Right. So, that's, so but then, that's the corner with least social and most optimization. That's and risks by AI the most. Yeah, that makes total sense. And whereas on the top right, you have CEOs, uh, you have, you know, PR directors, uh, you have psychiatrists. Um, anyway, where, so where, where do we find journalists? Am I safe for now? Where do you find me on the list or you? Oh, journalists. Sorry. Yes, me. Oh, journalists. Well, I, I mean, if you, I just read PR something, something journalist on the top right. So I think, I think you're good. Cause like you, well, you're having to, I mean, this is social and, uh, and you know, I don't know. I don't know, but given, we don't take my word for it. <laughs> given my skills, I think AI could probably replace it within a couple of years. No, come on. No, I would definitely not agree to do a podcast with anyone that's going to get replaced in the next five years. Maybe seven, seven, but... So, <laughs> but, so is it, what, what does the book propose? That these in the bottom left, which you showed the highly optimizable and non-social jobs, they're very replaceable, but are they all replaceable eventually or what's the story? No, I mean, no. So, so if you're a CEO, if you're somebody who needs to, again, you know, interact with people simultaneously have to think creatively and strategically, you're good. Um, so yeah, so my suggestion, so my, my takeaway was no, we're not going to get replaced by AI. Um, but if you want to be, you know, if you want to protect yourself from this, um, make sure that when whatever you do, you're 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 not just trying to optimize around optimizing. <laughs> you're optimizing around thinking strategically, thinking creatively, and uh, and then the other thing is, is you know, it, ideally a, a role where you're engaged with people. Um, yeah. So, so again, I'm not worried about it. I, I think, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be amazing. Um, you know, this singularity that I, I kind of alluded to the technological singularity, if you haven't heard about it, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating, but the long and the short of it is that what they're essentially hinting towards is a point in time where humans live forever. Um, essentially, you know, and then that's kind of the, I don't know, um, I don't know if you've heard of guys like Aubrey de Grey, um, this guy with the huge beard, but they're talking about things like about, you know, not just stopping the aging cycle, but eventually reversing it in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know about the extropians? Oh, haven't heard that. What's that? Yeah. So they were a group, uh, it was California based and they were a group of sort of realist utopians that were also thinking about this kind of stuff. Eternal life is one of them and, um, you know, merging computers with human brains or this, like all of these kinds of things, sort of post-humanism that, that's very closely related. And some of the people in that sort of group were, for example, Hal Finney, Nick Zabo, uh, Tim May, like a lot of the, they sort of, a bunch of them sort of went on to found the cypherpunks. So there's a lot of overlap there. And then the cypherpunks, of course, sort of uh, resulted in Bitcoin, uh, among other things. So there's there's a overlap in interests again. But, hmm. I, haven't, but I haven't heard of the guy you mentioned. I don't think I know who he is. Oh, Raymond Kurzweil or Aubrey de Grey? Uh, Raymond Kurzweil's... Oh, okay, Aubrey de Grey. Yeah, I've actually had a chance to meet him in person too. 
he's a pretty phenomenal guy. Yeah, no. So, I, and then again, I, I, I don't know. I don't again spend a lot of time or, or whatever energy on that. But yeah, I hope I get to live forever. I mean, you want to talk about religion? I think you want to these types of. As I was going to say quickly, is, is that these, uh, you know, these types of conversations or whatever around singularity. Um, you know, it feels like to me a lot around kind of, you know, people trying to be, um, you know, manifest a lot of what the religious texts were talked about in kind of, you know, the human realm uh, by leveraging technology, nanotech, biotech, um, you know, all these things. Exactly. What about space travel? Is it something you're into, looking forward to? Would you go to Mars if you got the opportunity? You have to stay there, Sonny. Where one I'm way working trip. for oh, so would I go to Mars? Oh, one way trip? Hell no! I love no. Earth. Oh no, no. Um, but I did work, for, like I said, eight years for robotics, and the gentleman who owned that company, uh, Dr. Jacob Apkarian, was one of the people that worked on the Canada Space Arm. And so we did, we did, you know, we we built. Uh, I think we were part of one of the rover projects that uh, for the Mars, um, yeah, whatever outreach thing. And and so yeah, I've been. Uh, would I want to go to Mars one way trip? Hell no return. But if it took like five years, I might still say no. Well, um, live forever. <laughs> Hell yeah. If I live forever, all I need to do is cop make a copy of myself on earth and I'm set. Right. And then I can experience both simultaneously. Well, that's the other, that's the other thing they would chat about a lot. The, the extropians like mind uploading, uploading your mind into a computer. So, 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 he, so, so Raymond Kurzweil's famous quote is, is that in the end, we will discover that we were not hardware, we are software. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you agree with that? Look, I think, the, I think the universe is comprised of nothing more than information and energy, right? And that's, I think, everything, even matter, like what is it? Energy equals mass times a constant, right? C squared, so mass is energy. Um, so yeah, I can believe that, uh, we are nothing but information and energy. Do you think we're going to Mars? Are we going to see it happen? Oh, definitely. Well, if I'm living forever, hundred percent, um, is it going to happen in the next 15 to 20 years? Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to happen because he's, I think he's figured out the, the, like the piece that nobody else did, which is how do you land a rocket ship? Right. Cause like, yeah. Cause I mean, now we could technically go to Mars like and then fly back. Yeah, Elon, yeah. No. Yeah, he's a pretty smart guy, it seems like it. <laughs> yeah, well, there's probably a little bit more to figure out. How do you stay alive on Mars and these kinds of things? Yeah, have you seen Total Recall? Uh, Total Recall? At Arnold? Points, I no? think, yeah, yeah. Probably more than 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking it was maybe like 20 years ago for me. But yeah, that was uh, Mars living didn't look so fantastic in that movie. We never know, man. Never know. I, I, but I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm super happy here in Toronto. Um, not looking to go anywhere. I don't we even for, like flying. We, we forgot about the other topic. I still want to hear this. What were the what were the comp computational breakthroughs that were needed to achieve AI? That was the that was the question I asked, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm trying to remember. I read this book about six months ago. What were the? Okay, let me just think for a second. What were the computational breakthroughs that you needed? Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. I, I know I kind of diverted the conversation towards um, like practical things that people should know um, in light of <laughs> AI, but I don't remember, Aaron, to be honest. Uh, maybe I'll have to get back to you on that one. Um, 
I'm trying to think if it was like deep learning related. Um, yeah, I could probably flip to it now, but anyways, I'll leave it for another time. No, I don't have the answer for you. No worries. Anything else? Seen any good movies? Any good movies? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, um, Paw Patrol. Paw, Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a yeah. kids show. Sorry, man. I I actually don't. I'm not even allowed to watch TV in my house. I got a five year old and a two year old. The two year old won't even let me sit in like the seat that I want to sit in. She'll literally be like, "That's mine." <laughs> so I I don't know I haven't watched a TV show I play I play uh, a bit of Starcraft I don't know if you've ever played that no <laughs> such a fun I, game it's I like play, uh, mm. I'm playing it's Donkey Kong Country Free again okay okay yeah no I've been getting into Starcraft that's been that's been fun it's like a strategy game it's like a futuristic war strategy game it kind of feels like you're on Mars but yeah that's that's a lot of fun but no I haven't been I've been watching movies lately um. Yeah, every time I try and watch a movie, I think my attention span is like too short. I just I fall asleep, uh, or maybe I watch them too late or something. But my wife always hates on me for that. She's like, "You can never stay awake during a movie." <laughs> but, uh, what about you? What's a, what's the best movie you've seen recently? Ah uh, man, I I I don't watch a lot of movies. What's a good movie I've seen recently? Hmm. I don't know. I wish I could give you a good answer. I don't even. Remember That's okay. Hey, Aaron, you know what's you know what's gonna be a great movie? The Bollywood movie that we make about the whole story in India. Um, like I, I've, I've, you know, I've only made. Is this a joke that, or is it serious? Uh, it, it's a joke that will eventually become serious because uh, so so if any any like so I know you have a, a huge network of famous Bollywood producers that follow this show. So if there's anyone out there that uh, you know wants to produce the the tell-all, <laughs> let's go get it. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think that's going to be a super interesting one. I'm definitely or definitely taking careful notes and, and remembering kind of what's going on. But wow, um, I was going to say is is another thing is is that um, you know to, to really kind of get the 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 background story or the the ins and outs, you might want to interview Satvik or or Harish, um, two of the guys that were really in the thick of it. Um, you know, I, I'm more of like the storyteller, like the guy who, you know, kind of like shares a lot of the, the things that are happening. But in reality, those are the guys that really went through a lot of it. So yeah, you might want to chat with them. And also if there's, uh, yeah, if there's anyone else to crack in that you want to talk to, just let me know. Um, right. What other topics you got on, on mind? Yeah, you talked about AI. Yeah. Let's, end, let's end the podcast with one last sort of Bitcoin related topic. Oh, by the way, yeah. uh, 1917, that's a movie. I saw fairly recently. That's quite good. I saw it. I saw it. It's good, it's right? Good. I saw yeah. it. I, I did see. That was one of the few movies I saw. Yeah, I liked it. Happening? What do you expect? Is it priced in? What's gonna happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Just on that topic, I was gonna say. So I said I saw a meme the other day. Somebody was like, "Our grandparents had to go to war. You know, you have to sit on your couch. Yes. Like, you got this." <laughs> That puts it into perspective. It's like, yeah, we're going through a lot. But well, oh, to, who's, who's your... to be honest, the healthcare workers they they have it a little bit tough, maybe. Well, for sure, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely do. My heart goes out to them. And 
yeah and and the elderly people too right like I'm, I'm a little bit concerned like i know we've had a breakout in terms of the uh, a lot of the old folks homes here and that's probably not the politically right term but um but yeah there the, the unfortunately there's been a breakout and and i think from what i what i heard ontario um is sending out a lot of the the nurses and kind of professionals on the front lines to these um places but yeah nothing uh, it's, uh, okay, so your question was about happening. Like yeah, the happening in, what are we going to see happen? Oh, this is probably like my answer to religion and politics, um, uh, in the sense that I don't know. However, if we use our our common sense, um, oh, I think Adam or someone retweeted this recently. Adam back is like, um, this is like the quantitative hardening. Yeah. Yes what a what a what an awesome phrase quantitative hardening right um look supply and demand right like i mean if you don't believe in supply and demand then i guess you could argue that um you know this will have you know maybe no consequence or negative consequence but i i do strongly feel that this is this is an interesting time right 50 bitcoins 50 bitcoin networks 50 bitcoins with a big b were were printed out of thin air, it's happening globally. Um, and so if you believe in supply and demand, then it could be argued that uh, Bitcoin is going the other way um, from a quantitative easing standpoint. And uh, and then if you believe that it has some sort of value in the sense that, you know, it's a unit of account, you can move it around, it's open source, it's, um, it's um, you know, censorship resistant, it's got all these like beautiful elements, then, then yeah, then you would you would believe that the price would go up. However, I am not a financial advisor, and uh, and and yeah, so I, I definitely don't like. And I used to be a financial advisor like 20 years ago, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. And um, yeah, and I, again, I think it was because I was in the financial industry that I love Bitcoin even more because to me it just uh, smells of roses. Yeah, man. So yeah, so I think it's gonna have a positive impact for in a lot of word in a you know in a one word, <laughs> two words. Yeah, I got that impression that that's your perspective. <laughs> yeah, I love Bitcoin, man. <laughs> hey, I didn't learn anything about Corona or Corona in India or Corona in Canada, but I had a fun conversation. So that... Yeah, man. Those are those thanks, are boring topics. Thanks Come for on, being on. Those are depressing. Yeah, Aaron, thanks again for having me. And, and I mentioned this before a call, but really, like, I get a lot of requests to go on podcasts, but um, I usually say no or I ignore it. But for you, man, like, I know you've been doing a lot of great work in the space for a very long time. And I really appreciate it. And uh, just the opportunity to get to talk to you for an hour was more than worth it. Cool. I appreciate that. Okay, take care. Bye-bye, Aaron. Yeah, Sonny. Cheers.